Welcome on into the show. <laughs> My name's Amy Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, a man who has single-handedly driven more circles around the Emerald Isle than St. Patrick himself. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you so much. I, re I really celebrate it. Now that I'm out of the Jersey City Hoboken area, I can try to enjoy it a little more for the little kid foolishness it actually yeah. is and not watching uh, people dressed up in green vomit all over the street for a good six hours a night, which is what it meant for about a decade. Yeah. But I did task my children. I'm like, hey, guys, at school today, can you find out what the fuck this actually is for me? Like, like what happened? What are we celebrating? What's the real thing here? Do you got anything here, Gallagher? Okay. <laughs> so, I see you wore a shirt for me. You, oh, dude, I buttoned up. <laughs> All right. Oh my good. Wait. So, do you want like like the St. Patrick drove give the snakes me, like, out the of cliff, Ireland thing? Give me like the Cliff's right. notes, man. I did not write this down. So, like, off man, your see, dome. See, I'm gonna what do this wrong. I'm gonna do this wrong because I tell can't me even... like I'm seven years old. What is St. Patrick's Day, and what are we celebrating? Okay, so St. Patrick's Day. Don't Google. I, I, see you Googling. <laughs> I see you Googling. I see you Googling. Off your head. Come I on. thought that the I thought that the snakes out of Ireland thing was like like a trying to get the British out of there and get the Irish troop truly free. I thought that that's what that meant, but I okay. could be a hundred percent wrong okay. on that. I just know about killing snakes from The Simpsons yeah. and stuff like that. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wanted like, to give the audience the truth. I always like to give the audience the truth, but here we nah, are. Not the Google truth. I don't want By the way, what a mistake this shirt was. I have so many better green shirts, but I was like, oh, hold on. Real quick. No, you can't get up in the middle of a live pod. No, do you want to see the pants? Because the pants are better. Oh, yeah. Show me the pants. The pa oh. Oh, ass. Denny is going well, yachting today. <laughs> I good. hope you have some some slip-on oh, shoes man. with some pennies in them. All right, let's get this back on track. <laughs> but uh, St. Patrick's Day, a day that I always love because I always think about you know being so close to Ellis Island, and as I as I try to keep this professional here, as like doing this so close to Ellis Island, I always think of like what that last day was probably like for my great grandfather being in like Ireland, having your boat ticket coming across being like, sure. what the heck is, is over here. Uh, thinking about everything I know about Jersey city, New York from that era. And this isn't just like, like an Irish thing. This is like, you know, coming from wherever to somewhere new, there's always that sure. little bit of apprehension. But the one thing I do love, you know, you talked about the people wearing green vomiting everywhere. I love how we're the one group that's like appropriate the heck out of green. Green bagels, sure. Yeah. Green beer, sure. Green tequila, sure. All of it. Yeah, no, I got I got you. But you got to realize what it looks like from the other side. Oh, yeah. When I see green, all I see is like cheap plastic stuff. Um, you know, the eagles, which seemingly are tied to this. You know what I mean? Flogging oh. Molly, good band, you know? But like a lot of this, it's just like, how far can you take the appropriation? It's a tiny little island, you know? That's true. But tiny listen, island, big punch. No disrespect to the Irish. I appreciate all the police and fire people in New York. <laughs> okay, we didn't need to go there. <laughs> it's a great day. But you know what else is going to make this great day even better? Yeah, let's get out of here. What is it? It's this day in music history. All right. <laughs> What do you got? You don't get a punk rock Jew going on the Irish, okay? Um, on this day in 2003, on the very first episode of MTV's practical joke show, Punked, mm. 
host Ashton Kutcher stages a prank involving the IRS that makes Justin Timberlake cry. I kind of remember this episode. Kind of immediately felt bad for Justin Timberlake and realized this type of thing is not for me. I don't like it. I don't like tricking people. I don't like being mean to people. I don't like putting people's souls through the ringer for your own entertainment. And you know why I brought this one up? Was because you can maybe give Ashton Kutcher partial credit for like this wave of shit reality trickster television that followed for years and years to come. I literally didn't like this from the first episode because it made me feel bad. And then it became like just this like phenomenon that that so much TV has been based on. Uh, the, these jokester shows even going to Instagram and watching people just fool people on the streets and stuff like that. And I got to be honest, I, I, I've never been a fan and uh, I don't like it now. I think uh, I think Ashton Kutcher is partially responsible for something uh, that I'm really, really not a fan of. So besides for Dude, Where's My Car, which I think is a mildly funny movie. Um, I don't know. Fuck that. So you're out on all uh, Aston Kutcher properties after after that. Yeah, he also kind of like, you know, for a while there, I had some like stringy long hair and always wore, you know, mesh hats, backwards mesh hats. Mm. And people would be like, oh, it's the Kutcher. I'm like, no, it's the me. I did this pre-Kutcher. You kidding me? I saw a, a punk clip that came up recently uh we're involving beyonce and this dude like strapped beyonce to the top of a christmas tree and left her there through a like entire tree lighting ceremony could never do that now could never do that no 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 and and honestly this is where you know maybe i'm a hippie okay i am a hippie <laughs> but you know like just doing mean spirited things to other people for your own entertainment like, when did this just become okay in, like, popular culture that we just love this? You know, jackass is one thing, right? Because that's just a bunch of idiots doing idiotic things to each other. Like, they all signed up for the same shit, you know what I mean? But I don't like the the unsuspecting person part of this. And I think it led to this, you know, weird thing you see on Instagram where someone's like, hey, you want to open this magic box? And someone's like, sure. And then they're like, oh, $500 for taking. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Just give someone $500 if they need it. Get it off camera. Just be a real person and stop self-aggrandizing. Okay. Off my soapbox. What's your this day in music? It's a good thing you're not on the TikTok because it, it's a lot of that. Oh, it's got to be horrible. It's got to be horrible. Ha- there, there, there's this one dude. And just quick aside here. Yeah. He owns a convenience store, which you're like, awesome. And he like... You know, people go in to grab the drink and he like squirts them with a water gun. That oh is both God. terrifying, especially in, yeah. in this day of like gun violence. That's terrifying. But also just like guy gets a lot of likes and just putting it out there now. Don't I don't ever. play that shit. Benny will beat you up. I don't play that <laughs> shit. You do that to me. I'm probably going to punch you in the face. I won't even mean it. Did I ever tell you that story when I accidentally got kicked out of a haunted house? No, you didn't. Some fucking skeleton spooked me and I pushed his ass down. <laughs> I would have done the exact same thing. So, like, I ah. can't, I can't, I can't. It's, I'm old school. Keep me out of this shit.
TikTok. Don't fuck with it. All right. Don't fuck with me. I don't play that shit. All right. So on this day in 1978, you two won $850, 500 pounds, and a chance to audition for CBS Ireland in a talent competition held in Dublin. Uh, The Limerick Civic Week of Pop 1978 competition was sponsored by the Evening Express and Guinness. So a little bit of a a big day for you two on St. Patrick's Day 1978. I like that you kept it Irish. I did. That's good. And, you know, this begs something that I've brought up for a long time, right? To me, if you actually look at, like, what punk rock is supposed to be about, the character of what you're doing, having something to say that's important, I'll make the case that U2 is more punk rock than the Sex Pistols, you know? Like, they came from meager background, all together, high school buddies, in a war-torn country who actually had something to say. You know, what was going on in England when the Sex Pistols were fucking, what were they mad about? Argentina, you know, like, something like that. Like, this is right at their doorstep. And, and you know, I'm not going to say U2 is very punk rock anymore, mm. but their, their upbringing and the way they came up certainly was, you know? Yeah. And, you know, when, when you think of that and you hear them now taking $10 million to play James Dolan's new Sphere Arena in Las Vegas, you're like, hey, yeah. guys, take your money and run. I saw that thing. It looks terrifying. Looks crazy to terrifying. me. You know, one other YouTube thing that's New Jersey related that always they played a show at the old Fast Lane in Asbury in like really? 1980. Wow. And I'm always like wonder what that show was like, because it's like they're on their first album, I think. So it, it's at that time. And I think it was on their first trip to America, too. They're playing Club by the Beach. I just try to imagine what that's like. And I would guarantee that's the kind of show that like, you know, uh, a lot of people in their fifties who lived down the shore said they were at yeah. and weren't at. Cause there was probably like 35 people actually there. <laughs> and like, you know, 19 of which were in the opening bands or something like 100%. probably what actually happened. You what? Yeah. Yeah. You, is. Oh, <laughs> terrible name. Let's oh. go see Southside Johnny again. Oh, for that millionth time. All right. All right. So we're going from you two to the king of auto tune going au natural. As call him the new king of pop. It's fine. Oh, no. We're not going that far for T-Pain. <laughs> um, all right. Years after releasing his sixth studio album, T-Pain has returned with an album called On Top of the Covers, which immediately, great name if you're going to do a it's bunch so of good. covers. Got to call it that. On this record, T-Pain does seven tracks where he covers Sam Cooke's uh, Change is Gonna Come, Journey's Don't Stop Believing," Sam Smith's Stay With Me, Frank Sinatra's That's Love, and Black Sabbath's War Pigs. Just an incredible collection of songs here by T-Pain. So good. You know, there's a couple things about this I quite like. T-Pain, for a long time now, has gotten the joke. You know what I mean? Like about himself, the role he fills in pop music. He's kind of was this side piece to so much stuff. I think, you know, Lonely Island, I'm on a boat, kind of pushed him over the spear where you're like, this guy gets it. He's funny as fuck, obviously has a good sense of humor. And now, you know, another wise thing is like, you know, a lot of people who listen to T-Pain or would consume this record at this point are probably middle-aged white people, right? 
I would say. And he's just like, yo, I am leaning into this. I'm doing Journey. I'm doing Black Sabbath. I'm doing Frank. You know, like I'm doing all this stuff. And then I can actually show people what, you know, my vocal is actually like. It's quite good, you yeah, know, even good. without uh, the auto-tune. I love like the lounge cover. <laughs> I am all here for this. I think T-Pain is bordering on uh, like pop star genius for for moves such as this my only criticism is t-pain you got the pipes go for it sooner man like like why does it take like almost like 15 years of a career for you to put out like these sweet velvet pipes that you got come on baby have a little confidence maybe maybe after we hear this we'll be like you know what i get why it took so long this is a master craft i I love it we'll see (laughs) Next Gaslight record featuring T-Pain. Just oh, come vocals. on. Manifest Let's that. It. Let's do Thank it. Thank you. Here for it. Oh, man. All right. Well, from T-Pain, which, boy, what a transition going from T-Pain to copyright law and artificial I mean, T-Pain intelligence. T-Pain to artific- like, Pro-, Pro Tools is the artificial intelligence of, of music in a way. That's so. true. That's very <laughs> I think true. this ties in. But we have some... Uh, a update on kind of a thing that we've been talking about as ai and and copyright law move into the future which i know you're like that's the most boring sentence i've ever heard but we're gonna make it fun as hell all right so the u.s copyright office has affirmed that most works generated by artificial intelligence are not copyrightable while clarifying that ai assisted material so that's ai not doing the whole thing but uh, involved with human interaction qualifies for protections in certain instances uh, the U.S. Copyright Office said on Thursday that it uh, it's well established that copyrights can only be issued by works that are uh, a product of human creativity um, and that authors exclude non-humans. Uh, still, an application containing AI-generated material can support a copyright claim if a human and, quote, selected or arranged it in a quote, sufficiently creative way that the resulting work, uh, it's a whole lot of stuff, but it's, uh, you gotta be sure that the human work touched it at least as we try to get into the weeds here. Um, Benny, as we move in as creatives into the future, what do you make of, uh, the door being open a little bit for AI work to be copyrighted and people to profit off? I mean, see, here's the thing as, as a drummer, I've been watching AI try to take my job for years now. You know what I mean? And how much music uh, you've heard on, you know, pop charts and new music and young music that was literally a, a sample track or an AI track from one of these audio programs put behind something you actually did and nobody batted an eye. Um, so I think it's already been going on for a long time. I think what you're getting into now is is lyrically and songwriting wise it's going to get into a sphere in which these ai programs can write pop songs you can take hooks from them you can take uh you know certain lines you can get inspiration for certain lines like so i i you know they're dealing with this on a case by case basis and they're you know accepting it as such but there needs to be quickly i think some really like solid framework and groundwork on which to make these decisions because it's a really slippery slope and it doesn't only go for you know royalties and for being compensated 
It also goes for things that go wrong. I don't know if you heard this story about the old singer from E-Town Concrete who had an AI-generated rapper through his company. AI-generated rapper was dropping N-bombs in the songs. People liked it. It became a viral sensation. Then they found out a white guy was the one who you know, perpetuated this AI. He says the AI did it. They said because a white guy created it, it's unacceptable. So you're going to have this kind of stuff too. Like people are going to be able to start making disgusting AI generated content and going, I don't know. I had nothing to do with it. It's not me. So there's like, I think a long slippery slope ahead of us. If people take it on this, like, oh, we'll judge it on a case by case basis. Like, I don't know who gets to be the authority specifically on this stuff because it's going to go country to country, artist to artist, but there really needs to be a framework for how this stuff is judged and it needs to be solidified fairly soon because there's going to be a lot of lawsuits and a lot of murky water. I mean, and and that's to say, what if the people who actually create the AI program say, hey, you have to pay us. You know, we just gave you your art based on our technology. Now you have to pay us too. So there is a lot, a lot to uh, unearth here. Luckily, I don't have to deal with any of this shit. I come, I'm grandfathered in, I'm in the old school, you know, and it's not going to bother me too much probably. But um, I think this is a really fascinating thing that deserves a lot of attention coming up because it's not like this is the end of it. This is the beginning of it. And, and, uh, we need to kind of figure out what is the middle ground, if any, or if like, you know, you just draw a hard line. And if you say it's, it's generated or, um, help to be generated by AI, then it just doesn't classify as totally original music or original art. What I'm hearing here is that a lot of people that are not talented and do not have these gifts are going to try to crack into this sphere. Why wouldn't you, you know? Because it's like some people just aren't meant to do it. Like I could never be like a frontman of, of a band or like write those songs as much as, as I wish that that could be my destiny. It's yeah, but not. dude, like, I, I mean, but that's just, this is consumer stuff, you know, yeah. and this is how people take in art. Had we ever said that, like, you know, weird example, but Ariana Grande, because I just can't think of anybody else is more talented or makes better stuff than Radiohead. Yeah. No. You know, did uh, you know, Journey make better music than Rush? No. But this is what the mass consumer actually wanted and, you know, Radiohead is anti-pop and they'll always have their cult following and make a very good career. I'm not saying they won't, but that career is going to be out of the mainstream now. And it has been for a long time. And this is what consumers want. You know, like our everyday market consumer is not somebody who's looking to dig into the artistry of things all the time. Most people just want to be quickly entertained for the cheapest price they can. And if that's what's being given to them, I don't think people really give a shit on a mainstream level. And that's where I think it has to be handled behind doors, you know? 
Right, because it's a hundred percent going to cost jobs. I mean, I'm I'm I've already seen it multiple times, and I haven't even been in like like the media entertainment sphere that long. I've seen journalism fall the way of of AI, and a lot of the beat reporters that you love, a lot of the true news people, they're going to be out of a job in in a few years because it's all that aggregation, and AI can do that. I think the same thing with a lot of the producers you hear. Like, you're not going to need to have a quote unquote Rick Rubin. When you can just like, oh, AI plug it in. And it's all sad because it's all when, and we've talked about this a bunch on this podcast, it's it's all when these corporate entities that are controlled by a stock price and people that have a MBA and stuff like that are making the decision rather than creatives. I think that this that's where all of this comes in the murky water. You know, and that's that's one of the things that's a, another tricky part of it. I mean, aren't these AI programs generated from real life? Yeah. You know, they collect data. They collect actual people's work, put it into their generating machines and create their own, which means they're appropriating people's work mm. as such. So, I mean, when does that end? Can 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 I sue an AI company for taking six records of Gaslight songs, putting it into NI generation machines and now people get to use some mocked version of it yeah i don't know maybe that combined with what we've talked about this entire podcast about people selling off their catalogs to these right. companies it's scary man like i like i i don't know what this future is going to be i don't want to be doomsday about it but it, it it doesn't seem good for people i i think it's going to be some almost like artistic civil war you know, it's going to be just the people who use it, the people who proudly don't. And it's going to be kind of like a line in the sand. Like you're going to have to mark like, hey, I'm an un-AI artist, you know, check me out. Like that's like how people are going to have to start presenting themselves. Well, you know, this sounds like only one person can save us. And do you want to know who that person is, Benny? Well, we already used T-Pain, so who was it? <laughs> it's Superman. Warner Brothers has announced that James Gunn will officially direct DC's latest cinematic reboot of the Superman franchise called Superman Legacy. Way to totally rip off LeBron James there. Uh, for a 2025 <laughs> release, um, James Gunn, who was, uh, came to fame with the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, part of the MCU, uh, is looking to cast a new Superman um, apparently, Henry Cavill, uh, he wants a younger actor than him. Um, so who do you think, you know, if you look at anybody below the age of 35 could line up to be Superman for the next decade? So, you know, where my thoughts went with this was, of course, like Superman has to look like an Adonis, right? Like this is yeah. part of the character. He's from another planet. He doesn't have to worry about a paunch belly and things like that. Like, like Superman's always jacked. Um, I think one of the problems, you know, the last round of Superman movies kind of gave the attempt at creating it in more of a non 80s, you know, the, the first ones were campy, right? Mm -hmm. Especially once you got to like Superman two, three, four, like those were insanely yeah. campy. So and then we gave this attempt at making like kind of the Oh, these are the legitimate ones. We got Costner. We got Russell Crowe. We're doing it like, you know, almost dramatically. So here's where my thought went. Mm -hmm. Who do I know who's under 35 or around that age? Oh. And I'm Jack. Flattered. I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah, Benny Gallagher, everybody. <laughs> God. 
sports. <laughs> so I was like, I want to go out of sports here. Hmm. You know, like, like, why don't we just really lean into this being fun? Not asking too much out of the Superman character as far as acting goes. My first thoughts, Blake yeah. Griffin. Oh, Rob Gronkowski. Oh, no, you're not liking my angle. Okay, here? keep going. Keep going. I, that, that, this is where I'm going here. I like. I do. I, I'm 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 trying to think of young, oh. very fit athletes who could maybe do the Superman part well enough that you're okay with them being Clark Kent. Dude, you know, you know who it is the athlete that you didn't mention. It's Aaron Judge. It's Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. (laughs) The judge's chambers. He's charming. He does commercials already. I think that's the angle we got to lean for the new Superman. That's that's really cool. You know who else? What's your thought? You know, okay. Couple couple thoughts here from from the acting realm, right? Who? I mean, granted, this guy is thirty-one. Would love to see what Austin Butler could do with this role. Imagine if he puts himself all into Superman like he did Elvis. I don't know what that looks like. And I'm kind of Yeah, but that guy is permanently mind. Elvis now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll be like, like oh, Lois Lane. <laughs> how you doing today? Like that guy, he does interviews like talking like Elvis now. Yeah. That guy's he's gone too far. And I think he's a little skinny. Yeah, okay. You know? Okay. Um yeah, you know, that's where my first thought, I'm like, what about Chalamet or like someone like that? Oh, but like then like too scrawny. Yeah. Too scrawny, like unless you're going different different style of Superman here. I mean, why is he jacked? Like it doesn't, yeah. you know, it's it's not a human form. He just has all these powers. He doesn't necessarily have to be jacked. And I know oh. people would be pissed if Superman wasn't white, but you know who'd why be not? awesome? You know who would be awesome as Superman? And I want to see it. Nork's very own Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, see, I'm I would be into something like that too. Cause let's think about it here. I mean, like, he's from another planet. Yeah. Why do they just look all like white, yeah. white humans from Earth? Like yeah. that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. So I think you could make him fucking blue, green, it doesn't matter, right? Like the only reason it works is because you know he gets to hide as a person. But the idea that, you know, we're finally getting visited from an, uh, a distant planet and the guy who shows up in Kansas just looks like a beautiful jacked version of what we already have. You know, that's some that's some comic book shit right there. Yeah. Oh, man. I keep trying to think Blake of Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Come on, man. That's my guy. He's funny. Yeah, but all all he does is take charges now. That's all he does in the NBA. No, he's not with basketball. He plays <laughs> he plays twelve minutes a week for the Celtics. He's in the perfect job. That's why he's got to really lean into this his old Kia commercial personality. You know? Oh man, I'm 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 I I keep trying to think. We're gonna have to move on here. Move but on. Other other athletes, maybe like a. Oh no! There's see like now now you got me in the athlete. Good. We'll we'll re we'll readdress space. this next week. Who are even like the hot people under 30? Like, I don't even know. No, that's where, honestly, <laughs> you asked me this question. I'm like, I am ill-equipped to answer this. Like, so let me let me go into the sports world. <laughs> is this more of like, like, I'm just getting old and I'm like, don't know I think this? if I could give you a list of six really buff, handsome actors under yeah. 30, you should start questioning what I'm doing with my days. That's honestly. true. That's very true. Well... You know who we're not going to have to question is doing with their days very long? 
That wasn't even a sentence. <laughs> All right. Charlotte Hornets owner Michael Jordan is engaged in serious talks to sell a majority stake in his franchise, the Charlotte Hornets, uh, led by minority owner group uh, that in- includes the minority owner of the Hawks, uh, Rick Schnell. Uh, this according to uh, ESPN on Thursday. Uh, Jordan will uh, maintain the mi- a minority share in the Hornets, but he was looking to let go of the uh, majority share. Uh, what do you make of Michael trying to walk away from Charlotte? I think Michael's making some cash. Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, between uh, you know what the Bucks sale and and all these other uh, sales of teams, uh, you know what just happened with the Suns going into you know three four billion dollars for this. I'm pretty sure his initial investment of I believe two seventy five million is going to be you know potentially double, triple into the billion dollars, like what he's going to get for this share. So I think it's a smart money move. It has been, you know, historically now a strange, I want to say tarnish on his legacy because it's easy to separate his playing and owning legacy. But, you know, it's been whiff after whiff after whiff in a lot of different ways. And like, uh, there's kind of no end in sight. You have you know, LaMelo Ball, nice player. Um, you know, what is Mark Williams going to put you over the top in the East? Like, you know, they've had some pieces. Something always happens there. Um, so I think it's almost like Jordan, you know, ducking out of something that hasn't been good. I can't imagine for someone like him who's, you know, who during his playing career was so committed to winning, he would do awful and terrible things to ensure this such like just watching this year after year after year kind of go down the drain and go into the lottery i mean the one thing though timing wise that that's could be strange is like the hornets are in the wemby sweepstakes as much as anyone so if he sells the stake in the team and then gets the the nba's generational player for the next 15 years afterwards like you know that's gonna be a bit of a loss because i think the Hornets um, could be primed if they had, but you know, there's just as good of a pick or just as good of a chance that they get the number four pick and draft a Thompson twin and, and are winning 25 games again next year. So, uh, you know, there's always that chance, but I don't know. Like I, I, I'm, I wish Jordan made it work there, but it's a long track record of not making it work. And I don't think it's the worst idea. Well, it's strange what he did, right? Because he didn't buy the Hornets. The Hornets are in New Orleans. He bought the expansion Bobcats and tried to rebrand the whole thing. And how many times in, in sports has that ever worked? I mean, you look at the original Cleveland Browns are the Baltimore Ravens and the new version of the Browns aren't exactly successful. Sure. So, you know, and, and did people really like, I think there was a time that like just, Oh, Michael Jordan is there, which means free agents are going to come, you know, and that ship sailed. People uh, are less impressed with that and are looking for the money and the TV markets and, you know, led by agents who, who aren't, uh, you know, starstruck because it doesn't matter what he did when he was playing. He's, he's got a, poor track record as an owner now and and i think a lot of people including myself thought it was going to hold more weight than it does 
And, you know, there's always a comparison to LeBron wanting to buy his team, wanting to go in with on Vegas. You know, there's been talks of like him and Lassery teaming up to try to bring the team to Vegas. Completely different scenario. And I think this is where LeBron coming after Jordan has been a big thing. He's built up his business. Clutch is like the preeminent uh, talent agency for players in, in the league. So LeBron already has this business that he's built. Jordan, yes, great shoe company. Um, are we sure Michael Jordan is, is is this great businessman? He's made a lot of money, but he he's not out here building clutch that runs the league. I mean, from a strictly business sense, he's about to like quadruple well, yeah. his investment. So sure, you know, if we're just talking about dollars and cents here, I think the the thing that it potentially tarnished was just his like lifelong career as a winner you know yeah. he went from college winner pros winner to this which yeah. has been years and years of kemba walker big contracts swing and whiffs you know yeah. like like that's what it's been yeah he's 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 had the big hole you know he still hasn't been able to sell that mansion north of chicago that's been on the market for like 15 years <laughs> Sa sounds like he has a similar thing going in charlotte boy a Michael LeBron conversation where I'm like, I got to say, Edge LeBron, what a day. Happy St. I mean, Patrick's LeBron Day. is, what is, isn't he the only NBA player in history? He's a billionaire before he retires. Yeah. Like, you know, the guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron's... And also, you know, that's where LeBron... Ah, we well, don't have to get into that. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know I'm a LeBron sycophant, but I could see him being successful. I'm just saying. LeBron, new legacy. No. Yeah. All right. So to the NBA now and the hardwood, let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies and a follow-up story from uh, the John Morant situation. According to friend of the show, Joe Varden, have not had him on since oh, yeah. the bubble. Uh, the Grizzlies will curtail their nightlife habits uh, for players uh, for players leaving town after games immediately following road games. Um, this after the John ja Morant incident um, where, you know, Go back and listen to it. We did a whole thing on that. Um, it's also reportedly possible that additional measures will be taken to tr try to keep this young team in line in Memphis, a team that uh, a year ago was going tail to tail, toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe with uh, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, looks to kind of refocus ahead of the playoffs here with them hopefully getting job back before then. Uh, this is kind of a tour manager approach to a NBA team, right? Like, all right, buses are leaving at 5 a.m. You better be there. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Like, if, if people can't keep their shit together, you know, there's one thing like we always forget about this stuff, I think, where and I think even owners forget it and stuff like that is there is no job you can have where you're this well paid that you're not going to have to follow some structure you don't like every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like that's just, and if you complain about it, nobody wants to fucking hear it because you get paid $20 million a year. So, you know, I think the thing you got to worry about potentially is brushback from players, you know, Oh, this is the kind of thing I don't want to be around. This is no fun. This is that. But if there's anything Memphis needs, right? I mean, I've never seen a turnaround of a team going from fucking the league's darlings to heels <laughs> in no time at all. You know what I mean? Ja did what he did. 
Dylan Brooks is hell bent on being whatever the fuck he is. Desmond Baines out here fucking punching people in the balls now, you know, and all of a sudden, like Memphis is an easy team to root against for a lot of people. So, you know, this is also trying to keep your money right. And, you know, they're trying to get through the playoffs and get through with this group of guys. They haven't had a, an adult in the room in quite a long time who can just like really call people out and make people do. So this is maybe the only way. Um, and, you know, with all this stuff, same as you say with a tour manager, you know, if the leader of the band is okay with all these things, the fuck is everyone else going to do? Yeah. Nothing. You just got to go with it. So, you know, part of this might be this new John Morant policy that he must have either okayed or has no leg to stand on to not okay right now. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, you try micromanaging these guys too much. We'll see what happens. But Memphis is in some serious like damage control shit. They have upwards of 200 something million dollars invested in jaw. You know, they got uh, Bane locked up like this is this is their main core for a while moving forward. And if you don't write the ship now, you know, the ship could go in a lot of different directions. So I think it's probably worth a shot. You wonder how much this came from Memphis ownership and the top or if this came from the top of the NBA and Adam Silver and everything, because let's not forget, you know, we talked a lot about not many movie stars that are that are. Uh, that can be the the future of Hollywood that are under 30. Not many NBA players right. that can be the future USA basketball that are American under 30. A lot of internationals yeah. doing the thing right now. So to protect the future of that, they I don't think USA basketball has ever been in the pro era needed a player to be a all-star and an all-timer more than they need John Morant right now. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. And the NBA certainly has a lot invested in this guy because fuck once he gets onto the court he's electric as it gets i mean there's very few players more entertaining to watch when john moran is really doing his thing so yeah no i think you nailed it it's a it's a huge asset for not only the grizzlies but but the entire league yeah so all right benny we got to move on to march now and as i work here uh we got to pull up our, our bracket challenge because, you know, I, I, I threw out the bat signal to quote another DC movie earlier in the week. And so many of you signed up for our tournament challenge. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, let's see. You know, we had a bunch of upsets. Let's get to that first before we check in with the tune up madness bracket. Uh, you know, if you missed it, sorry. We, you know, I, I know I've been terrible with the social media posting, but I got that stuff out. Um, but Thursday was the first day of the NCAA tournament. Uh, we had two major upsets. Um, the first one happened just three hours into the day. Uh, Furman uh, took down the Virginia Cavaliers, who five years ago lost as the fifth overall seed to a 16 seed. First time that ever happened. Um, Tony Bennett's squad got hit again. Um, just an unbelievable scene. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give you the play-by-play. You can go check that out on YouTube. But some questionable ball-handling decision down the stretch uh, led Furman to the win. And then the other one that we had was your boys, Benny. The Princeton Tigers 
Condoleezza Rice got booed in the... No, not Condoleezza Rice. Kamala Harris. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I'm going to get myself hurt. Um, she, she got booed at the arena, but then her squad was able to uh, take care of business. Um, as the 15 seed took down the uh, second seed, Arizona Wildcats. Just an unbelievable scene there as well. So a couple double-digit seeds uh, busting the brackets. Um, then we had uh, Penn State really took care of business against Texas A&M last night as well. So uh, day one, Thursday, I, obviously I am trembling as we do this podcast right now. I got Marquette, uh, Vermont coming up. But uh, what did you like yesterday in March Madness and what are you looking forward to today? Well, I like the fact that I don't know how many people in our uh, league had Furman over Virginia, but your boy had Furman over Virginia. Fuck out of here. I, go look at the bracket, boy. Um, I'll pull it up. What do you? I had Furman over Virginia. I had Penn State over Texas A&M. Yeah. I had Arizona getting knocked out in the uh, Sweet 16 anyway. So <laughs> my bracket's in pretty good shape, boy. Uh, uh, mine is I told, not. I told mine you guys is... not to fuck with me. You know? What is uh? I'm like Robert De Niro in Casino. You don't want to oh fuck gosh. with me. Um, but no, I I always hate Virginia in the tournament. They always yeah. do this. Uh, I had them. Even if I didn't have them going out there, I would have had them going out in the next round. I don't think a lot of people saw Princeton over Arizona. A great 15 to two upset. I mean, it's what a lot of people predicted. The especially the the middle section of this tournament you know, like from the three seeds to the 10 seeds, I wasn't seeing that big of a difference in a lot of these games, you know? And um, I think for a number of reasons, international play, G League Ignite, you know, stuff like this, uh, one and done's the the transfer portals, just this idea of these powerhouses that can't be beat um, is less and less, you know? Uh, so I think that's kind of what we're seeing here in the tournament. And uh, my bracket is in, in great fucking shape. Leader, by the way, we have a leader in the clubhouse in the chat right now. Alice Stud doing his thing out there, tied tied for the top. Uh, we also have Jersey Mike, uh, a pair of brackets from C Perky Seven, and uh, Draft Twenty One Ninety Three. Um, it would be awesome if it, if in the future we all just put our names so we can know whose bracket is who. But shout out to everybody leader in, in the clubhouse. But so it it listen, it's not gonna matter because nobody picked the correct national champion, and it's fine. Listen, <laughs> they're, 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 Villanova isn't what they were. A somebody has to carry the mantle, um, and and nobody else rode with me uh, and picked uh, the Marquette Golden Eagles to win the national championship. So it's fine, but it's just like just know. You may feel good right now, but the back end's going to hurt. And this Listen, video is going to hurt me in like two weeks. For the sake of your life and personal pride, Denny, I'm pulling for you. I hope Marquette goes all the way through. It's going to feel real good if they do. Uh, I'm rooting for you, kid. Thank you very much. I was at, as you saw, I was at Madison Square Garden when they won the Big East Championship. I didn't wasn't expecting that to be an emotional experience. And it was. Because, you know... We've been going to that building every March for 20 years for the Big East tournament and getting our ass beat, and then to finally get over the hump. Only two teams that I get emotionally invested in. It's Marquette. Contrary to what I say on this pot, not that emotionally invested in the Bucks. Marquette just hits different. 
And nah, then obviously nah. I want U.S. Soccer to win. But it's wait, your, uh, it's your alma mater, right? What yeah, was a uh, different, different story? What was the name of your bracket up here? Oh, I'm Benny Rules. I thought, dude, that's funny. Why you thought someone else did? Benny I did Rules? not think that was an L. I thought that was Benny Ruiz. I, it I does look like, like Benny Ruiz. It I does know. look like Benny Ruiz. I'm like, okay, uh, all right. Do so, I have the most points in our bracket so far? Not yet. But Benny went with uh, Kansas to be the national champion. Good pick, trendy pick. Let's see. Let's see how far. Oh, Benny had Marquette losing to Michigan State. That's okay. But Benny's final four consisted of Baylor, Duke, Houston, Kansas. Uh, that that Houston game looked tight the other night. Baylor, I'm not so sure about my well, Arizona's final four. out of that uh, out of that section now. So Baylor's looking a little easier. That's true. I had Alabama. Marquette, Houston, and UCLA. Two schools that I'm at in the final four. There you go. That's a little bit of there bias. There you go. <laughs> but a absolute incredible day yesterday. Love seeing it every single year. Um, there's always that 13-4. There's always that 5-12 matchup. And I love that uh, you went against a uh, guy who's almost become my nemesis in, in Buzz William, who has not had much tournament success since leaving the Golden Eagles. So you love to see it. I'm pulling for you. Um, all right. Do you want to hit this uh, Edwin Diaz story? Yeah. Or do you want to get out of here? Have a nice St. Patrick's Day. Open. Yeah. A like, let's not bring up the bummer. But listen. Yeah. I'm sick of these post game celebrations and knocking people out. But I think the Edwin Diaz thing, you know, for the most part, again, it's what somebody said to me recently. Uh, which was, oh, the Mets look real good next year. They're all stacked. I'm like, listen, it's the Mets. Yeah. The Mets are going to met somehow. And it's not even their fault. You know, like, like they have no control over Edwin Diaz hurting himself in the celebration for the, for the Puerto Rican team. But he did. And now they don't have a closer. And it's like just the most typical Mets shit you'll ever see. And if anyone knew it was good for them, I think they'd avoid signing there to stop with their curses because this is be this is bigger than edwin diaz okay this is something else here well hey so you're on the the new york mets are a cursed organization yeah uh-huh wow i am what are they gonna do they could spend they could spend four billion dollars on their roster <laughs> and something crazy will happen it's just the one day oh look there's a crater in the middle of nowhere in Flushing, and now all of a sudden the stadium's got something, man. I don't know. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me, Denny. Real quick, top five cursed organizations in American sports. Oh, God. Well, I know what my number one is always, yeah, yeah. and it's the Arizona Cardinals because of the, cur- the, the curse of Pottstown. Until they give the trophy back to Pottstown, or Pottsville, <laughs> excuse me, the Cardinals will never win. Because those coal miners cursed them about 60 years ago. I love it. I love it. Do you have any more? That's it. That's it. Wait, would would uh the aforementioned Browns and the current iteration of the Charlotte Hornets be up there? You know, you can't try to <laughs> steal Dallas. Confusing ones because yeah. of you know moving and and uh you know, I, I need these old school franchises to be able to make that call. But but no, the Mets and and the Cardinals, I think those are my big two. Okay, and we we'll see if uh, the the Kings can get over the hump. I, oh, I, I, I went to watch the Kings last night. That is a that is a good basketball team, my friend. Um, okay. 
I watched them do whatever they wanted to the Nets on the uh, offensive end. Sabonis bullying people around. I don't think they're soft. They got, you know, Sabonis and, and Lyles and Metu knocking people around. Fox is faster than everyone. Team's going to give people some real fits in the playoffs. I love it. I hope so. Love to see a organization get over the hump like that. We have gotten over the hump of this show. Plenty of ways to get in contact with us. You can email the podcast at the tuneup podcast at gmail.com to peas in there. Follow us on all the social platforms, the tuneup HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube. We're going crazy. Join the chat. Uh, get jiggy with it. Uh, you probably can't say that anymore, right? All right, well, whatever. <laughs> um, follow Benny on Instagram at Benny Horowitz. I'm at Denny Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? It's a good thing our our demographic is uh, right in it. Is is well over thirty, or else that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> oh, the show has ended. Go in peace. Enjoy your St. Patrick's Day. You have been listening to and watching the tune up.